So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Come and See Inspirations production being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this is the 14th of June. It's the Feast of Corpus Christi. You're very welcome indeed, and thank you for joining us. My name is John Keeley. And help me to produce the programme this morning and present the programme. Shane Ambrose, good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. We're good. We've got a very busy programme this morning, so no hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> we want to especially welcome Shane as what's coming. Um, we especially welcome, though, our listeners who are housebound, very important people who we've mentioned for the last 11 years, the most important part of, of our programme here in Sacred Space, who are lonely and struggling in some way, and those who are hurting. We hope you get something. And we know you will get something because we've got some guests lined up for today. We'll come to that in a second. This programme is broadcast on West Limit 102 FM at 10am and 11pm uh, each Sunday. Uh, podcasts of the Sacred Space 102 FM are just some of the Come and See Inspiration podcasts available for playback and download on our Come and See Inspirations page. Just, come, just Google Come and See Inspirations. Just want to remind listeners again, 10am each Sunday, we're broadcasting a Mass for the foreseeable future, for the next few weeks anyway, from Abbeyfield Church. We thank Father Tony Mullins for that. 11pm on Sunday night is our usual um, Sacred Space 102 FM uh, programme. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday during the week, we also have our programme uh, Inspirational Reflections after the 1pm news um, on West Limit 102 again. We play the Rosary and we play some... Um, something from our archive or some music, plenty of it. So just to note, next Friday's edition of Inspirational Reflections will be broadcast at 11am. And this is a once-off change, and we will return to its normal slot the following week. Of course, next Friday, the 19th of June, is the start of the Novena to Our Lady of Perpetual Help uh, at Mount St. Alphonsus in Limerick. We will broadcast a session from day one of the novena at 11am, on the 11am slot. We'll continue to broadcast um, sessions from the novena Monday to Friday the following week on Inspirational Reflections at the usual time after the 1pm news. Now, Father Franco D will be joining us in a few seconds, and Father Frank is going to explain to us what they've arranged in terms of the Lourdes virtual pilgrimage. So I won't go through that in detail yet at the moment, but I'll certainly be reminding people during the week. If you want to contact us, uh, a text or a comment or a quest, or if you'd like to come on the programme, 87 our text, that's 87 or you can email us, and that's on commonseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now, Shane, this is going to be a record. I'm going to ask you to go through the saints in about two minutes. So a challenge, John, nothing like a challenge. So today uh, we're celebrating the feast day of Corpus Christi and so, and we're starting into the 11th week in ordinary time. For those praying the Psalter, we're on week three of the of the Psalter. So Monday is the feast day of St. Vaughan of Ireland, that's the 15th of June. The 16th of June is the feast day of the Martyrs of Lancouk. They're Vietnamese martyrs, died in 1862. Uh, Wednesday the 17th is the feast day of St. Teresa of Portugal, a royal saint. Thursday is the uh, the 18th of June is the feast day of St. Marcellinus, a martyr to the fate in 286 under Diocletian. Friday is the biggie. Friday is the feast day, uh, the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And it is also, of course, this year it just happens to fall to be the beginning of the novena to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. So for those observing those novenas, Friday is a busy day. Saturday next week is the feast day of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. 
uh, uh, which always is associated, of course, with the Sacred Heart. And on the Irish calendar, it also happens to be the feast day of the Irish martyrs who were beatified by John Paul II in 1992. There were 17 Irish martyrs, men and women, cleric and lay, put to death for the Catholic faith between 1579 and 1654. Now, John. Sure, thank you very much indeed for that. <laughs> That's a bit of a record. Thank you so much for that. Okay, Liz, um, just, to, just to let you know uh, why we're under real depression now this morning, because we've had a few guests on the programme. Father Franco D, in a few seconds, is just going to let us know what's happening with the virtual pilgrimage. Uh, that's because, obviously, the physical pilgrimage couldn't take place this year to Lewis. Father Luke McNamara, a good friend of ours, is joining us in part two. Got some lovely little reflections to give us there and also going to stay with us for the gospel. So now we'll ask Father Franco Dio to share with us uh, what's really happening in regard to the virtual pilgrimage to Lewis this year. So now at this point of the programme, I'd like to introduce Father Franco Dio, who's the Limerick uh, Diocesan Pilgrimage Director to Lourdes. Uh, good morning, Father Frank. Morning, John. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning. Now, of course, as people would know at this time of the year, the annual um, pilgrimage to Lourdes from the diocese usually takes effect and takes place. But because of COVID-19 restrictions this year, obviously that can't take place. So, Father Frank, you've got a few more things organised to keep people involved. Would like to share some of those with us, please? Well, thanks, John. First of all, to say a special word of thanks to uh, West Limerick 102 and the Sacred Space Programme for giving me this opportunity just to promote the diocesan pilgrimage. Um, as you've just mentioned there, because of COVID, because of the coronavirus, the pilgrimage was cancelled for this year, which was a huge disappointment for so many people. Mm-hmm. The pilgrimage was due to start this coming uh, Thursday. Normally, the pilgrimage was on the beginning on the 18th of June. Unfortunately, it has been cancelled for this year. And before I go any further, maybe just to say a word of, I suppose, what a thanks to Colonel Donald McNamara. Colonel Donald was over 26 years diocesan director and he did put a huge amount of work into promoting the pilgrimage and so I I suppose took over that role uh, at the beginning of this year and unfortunately my very first task was to officially cancel the pilgrimage this year but as you can imagine many people were sorely disappointed that the pilgrimage didn't take place for because for many people who go to the pilgrimage every year especially those who are ill and those who are housebound and maybe in, in nursing homes and so on, they really look forward to the pilgrimage each year because it's an opportunity for them for meet, to meet the same face, to meet the same people, to meet the helpers. So it's, it's, along with it being a religious experience, it's also a huge break for them at time out of their normal routine and they really look forward. So it was really disappointing for them. And maybe about, about three, four weeks ago, People just said to me that there are <clears throat> masses on now on Facebook and on webcams. Would it be possible, they wondered, to have a virtual pilgrimage, to have a pilgrimage co- um, coinciding with the same times after ceremonies uh, would have been taking place in Lourdes? So we got together, a few of us, the, the organisers got together, the, as well as the responsibles for there are There are three main groups. You have the nurses, you have the bronchardias, which help to carry the patients or the, the assisted pilgrims. And then you have the handmaids who help out in the dining and in all that area. So we got together and we decided we'd put on this called the virtual pilgrimage or a virtual um, gathering. So we're trying to correspond with the same dates and time, as much as closely as we can to the same times. 
So this coming Friday, Bishop Leahy will be, I suppose, launching our pilgrimage. The, the opening Mass was, also, was always on the first morning after we arrived. So we'll be having our opening Mass on this coming Friday, Friday night, the 19th at 12 o'clock in the cathedral. And then on Saturday, the 20th, 12 o'clock, on Sunday then, and we're, we're delighted that the, the Sacred Space in West Limerick 102 are allowing us to tap into their Mass, which will be Father Canon Tony Mullins will be saying Mass in um, Abbey Field. So that would be part, that would be our pilgrimage Mass on that morning. And then on Monday the 22nd will be our final Mass. Now also, so the other Masses, we'll have a celebrant and we'll have a, a guest speaker, a person giving a reflection on, at each of those Masses. Um, people who have been involved in Lourdes and people in, in different teams. And then on the afternoon, there was, there was always a, there was a morning session. You have a morning mass and you have an afternoon session as well. So the afternoon session will take place on the same dates, 19th, 20th and 21st. And that those sessions will take place at half past four. So they will include, we will have a washing of the hands, which is um, trying to replicate what happens at the bats. We will have uh, the rosary. We will have stations of the cross. And also, we will have an adoration of the Blessed Sacrament this coming Sunday. Or this, this Sunday is the Feast of Corpus Christi. So the, we will be having um, um, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And those ceremonies will take place at 4.30. And then a, a huge element to the Lord's pilgrimage every year are the youth. Every year we take out nearly 100 young people and they assist with all the pilgrims. And a lovely ceremony for what the youth get involved in is the closing ceremony. So we'll be having a special closing ceremony on, the, on Monday the 22nd, and now that will take place at 8 o'clock. Now, I've mentioned lots of times and dates and places there, but the easiest way to get, get all these details will be on our Limerick Diocesan webpage. That's www.limerickdiocese.org. So if People, those who are listening today, if they're not au fait with computers, maybe to get their family or friends to download the, the exact details of those various ceremonies. So I suppose it is, um, and the ceremonies then will be, will be having readings and um, we'll have live music. And as I said, there'll be a reflection on each of those days. Um, so I suppose the Lords, as I said, the Lords, people talk about Lords as the Lords family. So as I said already, it's disappointing this year that we can't physically be in Lords, but we'll try to be in Lords uh, virtually. And we will be um, getting involved through diocesan webpage, the diocesan Facebook page, and in some churches they have webcams. So the, um, what you call it, they, um, they will broadcast as well. And also thanks to... Um, sacred space and to yourself that uh, mass will be broadcast on on this next this next Sunday at ten o'clock. So there just as I said there are the details now it may be the too many details to remember but if you can again if you, I if I could direct you to the diocesan webpage and all those details will be written out there. Just one question there, Father Frank. Um um if we go on to the diocesan web uh, webpage 
Do we? Can we get a connection to tap in to each of those? Yes, so we will. Now, now I'm, I'm far from an expert on um, digital media. You're not doing the, bad the, now. You're not doing bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but there will be there, there will be a direct link. So when oh, you great. go into the web page, yep. there will be a link. Uh, I'm 99.9 percent sure of this. Great. You get a link from the web page to um, when, when the ceremony is on. That'll be wonderful. The ceremony, the seminars will be on live at all times at 12 o'clock for three days. Obviously, the, the mass in Abbey Field will be at 10. Yeah. And then they will be live at 4.30 on the first three days and at 8 o'clock on the, the closing ceremony for 22nd. That should be a lovely ceremony because the youth really get involved. And, and his father, Chris O'Donnell and Aoife, will be coordinating that for this year. So it's, it's, in a sense, it's a way of keeping Lourdes alive and keeping the experience alive. Now, obviously, it won't be the same, the fact that people can't go there. But it's a way of acknowledging, it's a way of, um, I suppose, acknowledging that it's such a, a big event for those who go there every year. And unfortunately, they can't go this year. But it's some, it's a, some little token to get people involved. The seminaries will be real. They're just, they're just, they won't be just token mm, seminaries. They yeah. will be real, the celebration of the Mass. And as I said, the stations across the the bats, the closing ceremony, the rosary, and the the, the afternoon ceremonies probably will go on for about twenty five to a half, twenty five minutes to a half an hour. That that's great. So, I suppose, um, so this is probably as much as I can say. But I suppose again, maybe to say a word of thanks also to I thank Ken Donald there, and also a word of thanks to the many volunteers. A huge amount of volunteers go out every year. You have. I mentioned you have the nurses, you have the brancardias, you have the handmaids. Mm -hmm, mm. They give up, they take a a week off their holidays, they go to their own expense. So they are um, really, we are blessed. And same with the youth, they pay their own way out. We are blessed to have so many volunteers. And Ken Donald has built, I suppose, a very strong network up over the years. And I would hope, maybe, not so much maybe, I hope again to continue again (laughs) next year. Hopefully we'll get back again. I know now nobody knows what the, the, um, no, the COVID-19 yeah. or the coronavirus, mm. what, what knock-on effect it will have. With, with the help of God, we'll be back and up and as strong as ever again next year. Please, God. So just a reminder again, uh, Father Frank, it's the 19th, 20th, 21st. That's next Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Next Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. And Monday. So 12 noon and 4.30. They're the main times, really. Yeah, and, it, and just the because the Sunday it will be linking it with the with the, um, with the mass in Abbeyfield, with the mass in Abbeyfield, uh-huh. and then on on the on the Monday evening we'll be linking it with Father Chris normally has night prayer. I think he's bringing it forward maybe an hour. He normally has it at nine o'clock, but he is bringing that forward to eight for the to eight the closing ceremony. And these times, the reasons are these times. First of all, they kind of replicate the times that take place normally in Lourdes. But also, they are. We won't be clashing with the novena, which is taking place. This, I think, it's the same That's days, right. same as I know. Mm. But we won't be clashing with any of the novena sessions. There, um, I think they're on. In is it? I'm not sure yeah, the exact time, but well, they're on in the morning. Yeah. Eight and ten and in the morning, and then seven fifteen and nine in the evening. So you're yeah. away. Yeah. So we won't be clashing with any of the novena sessions. That's beautiful. Father Frank, thanks for that. Uh, I'm but, sure there's no other people would love to get in contact, to be part of the family again, as you say. Yes, yes. So, so, thank you very much, John, for giving me the opportunity just to promote it. And so maybe when people listening today, they might pass the word around and maybe to let other people know 
and as you said, through Facebook, through the webcam, it would most importantly through the Limerick Diocesan um, webpage. That will give you all the directions of where to go and how to find it. Thanks okay. now, Father. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. So now just to finish off the programme, we always pray the Spirit of Communion prayer. Very important that we pray it again this morning. Of course, the best way to receive Christ is in Holy Communion at Mass. Yet for those times you can't get Mass, you can still reach out to him by making a Spirit of Communion prayer. So this is a prayer we'll all pray together this morning. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So our first bit of music this morning is a very popular one with I know most of our listeners. It's by the Irish Philharmonic Chorus, and this one is entitled O Sacrament Most Holy. So join us again in part two, where Father Luke McNamara from Glenstall joins us to share his reflections. Welcome back to Sacred Space 102, uh, come and see production here on West Limerick 102. Uh, my name is Shane Ambrose, delighted to have you on this Corpus Christi morning and hope you are all keeping well. As John said at the top of the program, we have a guest with us this morning who has been on the program a number of times with us before. Good morning, Father Luke. How are you keeping? Very well. Good morning, Shane. Good morning to all in West Limerick. 
Thank you very much, Father Luke. Now, Father Luke McNamara, of course, he is a monk of the community at Glenstall Abbey. And we touched base with Father Luke a couple of a couple of weeks ago to 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 see about lining the program up. And of course, at the time when we spoke to Father Luke, we all thought we were going to be waiting for phase two or phase three until the end of July. And then, of course, the powers that be decided they were going to speed things up ever so slightly. But I still think this morning, Father Luke, um, we were we were we, we were asking you to give us a small a few thoughts on something. And I still think it, it would be appropriate for our listeners in this COVID time. And one of the reasons why we were looking to talk to inviting Luke on is that there has been a number of articles which have been very popular online um, for people searching for things over the, the COVID period, and particularly in the United States of America. And one of them was a piece, it's in the America, um, the Jesuit Review, which is an, uh, an Amer- a Jesuit publication out of the, by the US Jesuits. And it was a piece by Gregory Hills called we are all monks now. And it was an interesting reflection uh, by the writer uh, with monks of the Cistercian communities um, in the United States about how, because of COVID and, and the, the way it had all paused us to, refl- to pa- caused us to pause, um, that maybe we were more monastic-like. And I thought it was, it was an interesting piece. So this morning, Father Luke, we were just going to ask you as a member of the Benedictine community now, as opposed to the Cistercians, I suppose, looking around us and the COVID experience that we have had in Ireland and what people have gone through and what people are going through, you know, where, what perhaps does, what, what does, what, what would Benedictine wisdom and experience and spirituality perhaps bring to the table to help people to understand it, maybe to express what they've gone through, but also maybe to cope with it. And I'm thinking in particular, maybe like the reason I'm asking that question, and people are going, God, it's a very broad question, is because because we talk about when we talk about Benedictine communities, we talk about mainly the adherence to the rule of St. Benedict. So I suppose which has which has been there for over a thousand years. So maybe before we start into that, you might just give a small give us your thoughts on it and what do you think? Um, the Benedictine wisdom brings at this time? Well, in the first instance, um, the rule of Benedict is 1,500 years old, so it's a little bit older than you were making out, and there's a lot of distilled wisdom, and it's a, a rule that has been lived. It's not simply a document, but a lived rule, and it is a wealth of lived experience. And Benedict didn't write the rule until the end of his life, after he'd had quite a few failures. Uh, so, his rule makes allowances for making mistakes or for things going absolutely wrong and and pear-shaped due to plague, famine, disease or whatever. So it's a very it's a, a rule that takes into consideration the difficulties that people may face, either man-made or uh, the natural disasters. So there's quite a it's quite interesting from that point of view. It was written at a time when the Roman Empire had fallen apart, society was in flux, disease was rampant. So it's very much, uh, very much akin to our state of, of a very changeable world where we've got Brexit, we've got so many other things going on, as well as COVID. Mm. But I suppose the interesting thing about the rule of Benedict and the vows we're asked to take is that they're very different to the vows that other religious take. 
Other religions would take poverty, chastity and obedience. But we actually take three different vows. We have obedience, but the other two are stability and conversion. And the first one, stability, is very, very important for Benedict. It's not simply staying in the same place, but it's actually sticking with uh, the Lord and sticking with those around you in the community. And we don't choose who we get to live with in community. The Holy Spirit chooses very different people, much like parents don't choose the children they are going, that are going to be born to them, what type of personalities they have, or even spouses. In a sense, while they choose their spouse, they don't choose their other relations. So, But we live with ours all the time. So that living in community is quite a radical witness to the gospel that we're living with others who, who we don't really share the same aptitudes or same interests, perhaps. And one of the uh, things that we learn, and it's a, it's a simple thing that I think um, anybody could take from the rule, is the tool of good work, as it's called, the tool of dealing with others. And I, if I was to use a new word, I would call it otherness, becoming skilled in living with others. And we become adapted to others through our life here together. And we become adapted to the quirks and the habits of other people. And what becomes what is initially annoying or uh, frustrating over time becomes endearing. And uh, but the otherness tool that we have in our in our in our bag of tools is very, very uh, necessary for life for all of us to live cheek by jowl with each other, even socially distant and um, to cope uh, with living with our our close family in in a house for for many months where we can't get out very much. So I think everybody has been experiencing that uh, dealing with otherness and learning new ways of 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 dealing with otherness and coping with otherness and living with others. And the point about it is really is that it really helps us to discover um, ourselves discover others, but also discover our relationship with God. We just we discover God through others as well. And we discover so much about our relationship with God through others. So there's a real um, value in that. And when things go wrong, Benedict often points to the brother uh, beside you or uh, ahead of you that will give you the word that will put you on the right track again. So there's that that learning to live with others. And uh, we have had a recent book out by um, Rowan Williams. And for him, it is the strongest point of the rule of Benedict, that it teaches us how to live with humanity in the world. And he thinks for that very reason, the rule of Benedict would be a good template for, uh, for humanity going forward, uh, both locally with, uh, with, with families and friends, but also at a wider level, community level and and city and and national level learning to deal with difference coping with difference but welcoming difference so that's the 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 otherness part and that's the stability and we have you it was interesting your introduction there you were talking about the cistercians they also follow the rule of benedict so they also have stability they broke away from us uh, about 900 years ago now and founded uh, they founded the cistercian order then with uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux and so on. But we had a very funny day here. Um, our novice brother Oscar uh, got a phone call from his sister. And uh, she said, 
um, Oscar, she said, you're the only person in Ireland that would have a novitiate and then make the whole country go through it with him. <laughs> so I thought that was a lovely, a lovely reflection by a frustrated sister trying to cope with her young family and work and all the rest in, in, in if working from home in, in this downtime. So in this, in this, in this confinement and so on. So it was a, a lovely comment, but the whole country has has been has, is sharing the division, and in a sense we are, mm. and that that is something that you know a lot of people are saying. I I'm getting a lot of letters and and emails and communication from people who are normally very very busy, and they're now wondering what they were so busy with, mm. and I think people are going to go back with priorities, um and and priorities in their lives and and identify what is important uh, for them in their life, what is important for the for the people around them in their lives and to prioritize more and to be more aware of their relationship with God, with others and with themselves. So it's it's been like a prolonged Lent, really, in a sense. Um, the, the three practices in Lent of prayer, fasting and almsgiving are to uh, restore our relationship with God, uh, with each other, social justice, and then with ourselves uh, through the fasting. So that kind of that kind of has been happening as we've had to fast from all the uh, entertainments that we would have had over the last months. So I suppose for listeners, as they're going to gradually re-engage with society and with with the with shopping and all the rest, maybe to do it in a reflective way. And to be aware of the, you know, what what the, what they have learned from this period, and I know that um, speaking to two uh, two farmers who've been busy uh, because the farm work doesn't stop, but they said uh, with this halting of all the other things, they said they were coming out like fresh lambs, <laughs> <laughs> fresh lambs uh, after the after the after this lockdown. So I thought that was an interesting reflection that they felt this new energy in their lives because of the lack of distraction and more maybe more focused living. So I thought that was also a very interesting comment. Yeah, it's I suppose that that that, that is I suppose one thing that maybe a lot of people might have said um that at the moment I suppose we've we, everything was so busy for people and then suddenly everything kind of ground to a halt. And I think for some for some people, I think it may have provided an opportunity maybe for uh, to kind of question, I suppose, maybe the illusion that we might have had of of kind of how how purposeful our days might have been in terms of things to do and stuff to be done and all the rest of it. But I suppose the other side of it, then, I suppose, is I'm also conscious that for many people, um it's 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 also been a challenging time. Um, like I I I was recently talking to friends of mine that have have young family, and also mm-hmm. trying to keep down keep you know keep down jobs. And at the moment, for anyone that's probably working in an office, um, usually the bane of our existence is Skype and Zoom calls. You know, you're having meetings mm-hmm. upon meetings upon meetings. And the one thing that struck me was the amount of meetings that have been interrupted by young um, attendees that have suddenly demanded attention and from <laughs> mum and dad. And I was kind of going, my God, how, how difficult must it be, uh, you know, for 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 families at the moment? And I suppose looking at that, I suppose what kind of um, 
I suppose, what kind of advice or what kind of thoughts would you have in relation to something like that? Y- yes, there's um, there's an, a, a risk with 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 uh, having to double or triple job, mm. and that you can become you can be torn in every direction. And Benedict um, advises, and I think this is very wise, advises to to parcel out the day into segments. And uh, we have a, a, a time for prayer, a time for reading and study, and then a time for physical work. And I think if it's if it is possible, and it may not be possible, but if you have a, a couple working in this situation, it may be that you can have both the um, the husband and wife um, or both partners working um, in, in alternate rhythm and devoting then the time maybe with children or whatever. That may or may not work, but it's it's one thing that he does advise. He, he advises breaking up the day in that, that way. The other um, is that um, we don't have equality as such in the rule. We have a very interesting uh, maxim that the strong have something to strive for and the weak not be discouraged. So, uh, for instance, I know... Um, certain mothers have some children schooling the younger ones uh, for some of the day and then they take over the schooling of the older sibling um, later in the day. So that that's sometimes a, 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 a thing that can be very, very good, both for building up responsibility of the older child, building up rapport and so on. And it also changes the voice of the one giving the instruction, which is always a good thing. So there, there are innovative ways, and I've been, in, I've actually been doing some Zoom teaching myself um, over the internet, both with my college students in um, in Maynooth, where I teach, St Patrick's College Maynooth, and also um, with uh, some primary school kids, just to actually do that to give parents a break. So I have been, I have been on doing parables and that with with them, and. It's interesting that uh, I'm surpri- pleasantly surprised that that many of them know the parables very well. So that was quite a surprise to me. So um, they, but a lot of them are in, covered in the in the curriculum in the in the junior in, in the junior schools, the primary schools. But uh, I suppose one other thing that has come up in 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 your initial introduction there was the word achadia, and it's a very interesting. Uh, monastic disease it's it's called and it's it's basically a wearing of oneself down a wearing down of the person or of the system and that you're no longer able to function right and it can be it, it can be marked by lethargy at one end but it can also be marked and more commonly i think in ireland by hyperactivity where we're doing lots of things but getting nothing done or, we're, or we go the other end, we go for lethargy. But the result is that we're not really living at either end of the spectrum. And this achadia, it's it's a real problem for monks and it's a real problem for us all. And this is why St. Benedict asks that we have this regularity, this stability in our prayer, stability in our reading and stability uh, in and study and stability in our work. And through that, we, we actually grow to uh, know God, to know ourselves and to know others. The the conversion that he speaks of that happens through these activities doesn't happen all at once. He speaks of the monastery as a school of the Lord's service. 
So we're gradually learning over time. Um, and we're, we're really beginners in the spiritual life. We're beginners, we're seekers of God, but we're not, we, we're not there. And we're very aware of that. And we're aware of all the pitfalls. And he speaks of the abbot as a wise physician using all the very many tools. But I think the most wonderful tool that he advises the abbot at the end, and maybe it would be a good one for listeners, if there was anybody in, in a particular family or other that is in difficulty, maybe has has cut bridges with the family or whatever, he advises all the members of the community to pray for the errant brother. And that's the 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 up the ultimate uh, resource that is used to bring back uh, an errant brother or a brother that's gone astray to the fold. And I think it's a lovely thing that we invoke the prayer of every single member of the community um, living and dead for the um, for the errant person. And I think we could maybe we there may be many families that have a family member that for some reason or another is estranged. But to ask the, the, the gathered family to pray and to pray in union with those who've gone before them for that errant person. I think that's a lovely thing in Benedict, a really, uh, a really pastoral um, initiative that is very central to the rule. The, the last thing I might mention on, on, on the rule of Benedict, and which I think is important to probably mention in this time of Black Lives Matter, that is going on in the United States and indeed throughout the world. And I'm glad to see that people in Ireland are very uh, attuned to it, is that we're reminded in the rule of Benedict that Jesus has come among us as one who serves. And he is he is uh, the, the servant of all. And there's this radicality in the in the gospel values that is is very much present also in the rule of Benedict. And so the abbot takes the place of Christ in the community but he is the one who serves the brothers and literally serves them. He is to wash their feet and um, all of all of their feet at times. So so there is this very much this sense of 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 ministry, but service as well. And I think that's a lovely emphasis of Benedict that we are to be to be humble and serve as Christ. And it's a lovely thing to think of today. The Feast of Corpus Christi, the presence of Christ among us as one who serves and we've seen a lot of that in recent months with many younger people doing a lot of um, voluntary work for older neighbours, delivering medicines, delivering messages and doing other voluntary work uh, throughout um, Limerick uh, City and County. And it's really wonder it has been wonderful to see. And I know of um, certain uh, people that have been doing this on a regular basis all through the, the lockdown. And it is really wonderful to for them because they've begun to discover who their neighbors are and vice versa so it's been it's been very very uh, interesting to see how this period although we've been living socially distanced in one sense we've actually come to live as community together and that this crisis has brought us together there have been dark sides to it there have been an in, there's been an increase in domestic violence and there's been other problems um sadly and I'm not I, I'm not in, uh, unaware of that, sadly. Um, but but I think an awful lot of good has come out of this, particularly with younger uh, the younger cohort who've really stepped up to the plate in so many um, places and helped out um, and given generously um, of their time and and at a time when 
when really they're under a lot of financial pressure and economic pressure because many of them aren't sure of their jobs and so on. So I thought that was a lovely uh, reaction. So Father Luke, thank you so much um, for that for those thoughts this morning. Uh, I hope for our listeners that they've 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 given us some. Um, food for thought on this on this Sunday morning particularly I like that idea of the of being just doing what you were able to do that 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 you 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 spoke about and also the idea of course of looking the, the communitarian aspect uh, of, 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 of 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 it all in terms of looking out for each other so unfortunately we have to just leave our time is against us I'm afraid so part two um, we're, we're just leaving it for now and we're going to take a break John yeah, we might just take a break and return again in a few minutes where we'll share today's gospel, of course, a very important one on Corpus Christi. So join us again in a few minutes for part three. So welcome back again to the third part of, Come and, uh, of Sacred Space, 102FM, a Come and See production here from uh, the Cantalimic. Again, thanks to Father Luke McNamara for sharing those thoughts with us in part two. And we look forward to his, his thoughts again to share with us on the gospel for today. But before we read the gospel for today, we'll invite Shane to pray this prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, <clears throat> attentively, and humbly. May, may we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable, incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So we'll invite Father Luke to share the gospel for us for this, the, the Feast of Corpus Christi. And of course, it's taken again from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 51 to 58. Thanks, Father Luke. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jews, I am the living bread which has come down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. Then the Jews started arguing with one another. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they said. Jesus replied, I tell you most solemnly, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life in you. Anyone who does eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life, and I shall raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. As I who am sent by the living Father, myself draw life from the Father. So whoever eats me will draw life from me. This is the bread come down from heaven, not like the bread our ancestors ate, they are dead. But anyone who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for that, for Father, Father Luke. Uh, Father Luke, have you got a, a thought or two you might have to share with us, please? Well, today's gospel is that of Corpus Christi. And for many, 
people, many would remember the processions that we used to have. And I suppose one thing that we might remember with those is what they were intended to signify, the presence of Christ among us, the presence of Christ among our towns and villages and streets and community. And it was a very visible sign of Christ's presence among us. Interestingly, in the early Irish church, we have a pattern, the Derry Flan pattern. And the markings in that pattern are, there's many markings on that pattern, very faint lines, which you cannot see really with the naked eye, but you can, if you look very closely, you will see them. And those lines were there to divide the host. And the, there was sec the host was sectioned for different members of the community. And there was a section for the celebrant, for the clergy, then for the, the ministers, for the, for the men and the women and so on. But the whole community was represented on that, on that pattern, in that one host. So we are one body, uh, a really, really wonderful visual, um, uh, how visually that would have been uh, to our ancestors in Ireland with when they were using these large patterns um, and having just the one bread divided up for everybody who was present. So I, I, that's something that I really love about our tradition, that we had the Eucharist was for the whole people of God, the Pobble Day, the, the entire people of God. And that's uh, a, it was a very, very, uh, very, very beautiful. And it, and it precedes, of course, um, the, the Feast of Corpus Christi itself, which is relatively recent. But the actual um, the actual uh, devotion um, actually long antedated or predated the establishment of the feast. There are, um, though, lovely points in this gospel. And one of them is that this is from the Bread of Life discourse in John chapter six. And it comes um, before the the Passion and the Last Supper. But in actual fact, we we understand and um, we can understand this this um, discourse has been given by the risen Christ because of what it says. And if we look at the the language, there's 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 linking vocabulary with the Last Supper. And one of the things that's really interesting is that Judas, um, in fact, is one of the things that links these two passages very clearly. Because Judas is mentioned as the one who um, eats of this and um, will raise his heel against me. That's that's this that is quoted in the Last Supper. Jesus says that in the Last Supper in, in John's Gospel. There's no in, there's no institution narrative. There's no mention of the institution, but there is mention of the meal through that through that reference to Judas, and this very odd word to to describe eating, trogo, reappears in chapter six. So we have here the the food for the, the the meal that we have been referencing back to the flesh of Christ that is offered up at the Last Supper and then on Good Friday. And we see this in the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He often, when he when he meets his disciples after his resurrection, he meets them and he feeds them. And it's often through the feeding that they come to recognize him as at Emmaus or by the by the Lake of Galilee. So we have this wonderful communion with Jesus, with the risen Christ, 
And that is how we've come to be aware of the risen Christ through the very Eucharist itself. There are two movements in the word Eucharist. Eucharist means thanksgiving. And uh, there's the, the, the other, the other the, there are two ways we can understand it. We, can, we give thanks to God for all that he has given us, but then God con- comes down to bless us with new gifts. And then we give thanks for those gifts. So we're in a continuous spiral. And in this spiral, we become, what makes this spiral in, in effective in a way is Christ. We are the body of Christ. Um, we, he is our head. We are the members of the body. And we pray uh, through Christ to the Father, giving thanks. And then we are fed uh, with Christ's body to become ever more Christ's body. So we're in a kind of a spiral of communion with Christ and the Father through the Eucharist. And it's something that we, we, we never get out of if, if it's a cycle. And people often wonder, they say, why do, you, why do Catholics go to Mass week after week? Or why do we listen in to Mass week after week? And it's a sense, it's, it's, it's our daily bread as we say in the Our Father, and it nourishes us continually for life eternal. And that is the whole purpose. It, 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 it habituates us to the, it, to the presence of the Lord. And we evermore enter into that dynamic. And it's, it's, a, it's like, I think of it not as a, as, a, as a simple repetition, but as a spiral. And that each time we celebrate the Eucharist, uh, we go to the celebration of the Eucharist, we are entering into and ever more deeply into the mystery of the Paschal mystery of Jesus, his death and resurrection, but also into the, into the mystery of the Trinity. So it's, it's a really, it's a really wonderful, it's a really wonderful um, dynamic. And I think it's, it's something that helps us when we, when we're, when we have to speak about it. Um, to others, and um, we pray every day because it is the oxygen of our faith life. We receive the Eucharist regularly because it is the food for our 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 life, our spiritual life, and for our life eternal. So, so there is this wonderful um, there is this wonderful uh, building up of our Christian identity, Christian existence. Our, our identity with Christ through partaking of his body and blood. The, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life in you. And f- that sentence for me almost says it all, in that by sharing in Jesus's blood and flesh that is poured out at his death on the cross, but that is through his passion death is also comes to resurrection to new life and we share then in that mystery that defeat of death through the eucharist so it's it's really um taking up and re, uh, recapitulating the whole mystery that we've celebrated at easter through to pentecost so and this is why this feast of corpus christi has been placed here after the feast of the trinity um, for that purpose, because it, it's, it's seen as having this uh, recapitulatory effect. Father Luke, Father thank Luke, you so much for you. that. 
Thank you so much, Neil, for that, Father Luke. Um, bo- bo- both those thoughts, uh, you know, bo- both the thoughts you gave us in part two and in, uh, you know, just in the gospel reflection. Sorry, Shane, we don't have any time for yourself. We- we've had a very busy program this morning. We want to thank Father Franco D, first of all, for um, advising us about the Lourdes pilgrimage that will be taking place virtually because, of course, the Dyson pilgrimage can't can't now take place physically. So we had that. And then Father Luke, of course, came on and shared his thoughts with us about um, COVID and so on and so forth in part two and, and then the gospel in part three. Thanks a lot, Father Luke, for sharing so much with us this morning. And please, God, we'll meet you again sometime. You're very welcome, John. In the God. meantime, we'll, we'll, we'll close off with our final piece of music again. Father Luke just mentioned it to there just a second or two ago. We are one body, and this is by Integrity Worship. So until next week, for myself, Shane, and Father Luke, God bless now. Bye. Bye. Bye.